Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. You've got Lexi and Jordan here. We've missed a few weeks. So hi, Jordan. How are you? Good. How are you? I guess nobody knows we missed yeah. a few weeks. Though, yeah, they, huh? didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know that we missed a few weeks. We usually record a couple at a time whenever we do our sessions. So um, you guys have still been getting an episode a week, but we didn't see each other. Yeah. So I missed you, but I'm glad to see you today. Yeah, <laughs> We've got an icebreaker today. So um, what is a favorite family game that you guys like to play with the boys? Yeah, I was thinking about this. We don't do a lot of board games, um, right now. Jared and I, there's definitely board games that we like, but we're not huge board game people. So our, our family games right now consist of like wrestling dad in the basement, Ah. which is what they call wrestle and fight. Um, or a game (laughs) or a game that is called get to the couch where, um, they start at one end of the living room and then have to try to get to the couch before dad, um, tackles them. Um, and then we also, uh, this is something that Jared did whenever he was little and we have, um, continued the tradition we play the thank you jesus game and this is a little thing that we do before bed a lot of nights um but thank you jesus game is just we go around a circle and everybody says thank you jesus for and then whatever it may be like food in our tummies or thank you jesus for warm warm beds to sleep in thank you jesus oh that's a good one yeah and then ransom for a long time said thank you jesus for grandma bond which was his great grandma um who passed away but it was just always um, his go-to every time on the thank you Jesus game, but we really like doing that. And it's something special that Jared did as a little boy too. So those yeah, are our family cute. games that I thought of whenever you mentioned that icebreaker. What about Well, you? those are perfect for little boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're just the last couple months finally dipping into the family board game type yeah. of thing. So, um, but one game, my Twitter peeps came through again. They recommended an awesome game for Ira for his birthday and it's called Blockus. So we've really been enjoying that. And I did not grow up liking games necessarily or playing games with Brian's family is a big game family, mm-hmm. but I love watching the boys and their personalities when we play games. So it's just a fun way for, like to force me to sit down after dinner mm-hmm. <laughs> with everyone. Yeah. So yeah, so Blockus is a fun one. What age range is that one? Well, Ira just turned five and he's able to do it. Okay. So it's really, really simple. Um, the other one that he's been playing since before he turned five actually is the regular adult Pictionary. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Ira really likes to draw. So I don't know how that would work for people that don't like to draw, mm-hmm. but it has been really fun. And we just make sure we pick items that the kids yeah. actually know. Noble. But it's honestly, I've almost peed my pants laughing watching Ira and Ari <laughs> draw things sometimes. It's the funniest thing. So. Yeah. We, the little boys, um, we also have Don't Break the Ice. Do your kids have that oh, game? Oh, we had a great one. That's a cute one. get them that. Yeah, that's yeah. a fun one. They like that. And even Valor just turned two and he can do that one. So, Oh, I'm going to do that. Okay. Yeah. That's a good idea. He likes that one a lot. What are, what are cool. games that you guys like? You and Brian. Um, Brian loves Scrabble. I'll play Jared Scrabble Jared loves with him. Scrabble. He has yeah. played Scrabble like, his entire life. <laughs> his family get together to have Scrabble tournaments. Oh, there you go. That's pretty similar. Yeah. So he, he was like in the Scrabble club in high school and stuff. Um, I don't know. That's kind of the only thing if him and I are playing, it's usually Scrabble. Yeah. Words, of course. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like, um, Boggle. Do you remember Boggle? Mm -mm. 
it's like the one with all the, the, they're a bunch of dice that have letters on them and you shake up the cube and then you drop it and they all drop in place and you have to find how many words you can make in like 30 seconds or something. Oh. And so every time it's fun. a different combination. It's way fun. It's a, it's an, I'd say an adult one or high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's way fun. That's a good one. Have you ever? Um, I don't even know if it it's Scrabble, but it's more like speed mixed with Scrabble, and it's cards. Have you ever done that? No, it's really uh-uh. fun. It's really fun too. Interesting. So you like have to like try to make words as quickly as possible with the cards that you have with letters on them. Oh, I like. I'm not good at games, but I like games that are going to make me laugh. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm not super great at this strategizing. I'll usually like we played Settlers of Catan once and I could not, I didn't get it. So my whole, my goal was to just collect as many sheep as possible through the yeah. entire game, which of course ruins everyone else's game because yeah. I'm not even strategizing. But, you know what? Yeah. I'm just going to go with sheep for this. <laughs> or in Scrabble, I like to play the cutest word I possibly can. Like long. <laughs> funny. Yeah. Cool. Well, today we're going to talk just a little bit about education because it's been on my mind because I'm about to start our school year and Jordan just finished up. Mm -hmm. So, um, and going to be starting within the next Yeah. When are you starting? So Jared and I have been talking about it and I think we're going to go ahead and start in like June, late June, early July. Okay. Yeah. So pretty soon, which I mean, it's already like the middle of May, so like I'm in a month, we're going to be starting school, which How feels so many weeks have you guys been off so far? Hmm. It's probably been close to a month now. Really? Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which feels, which feels like enough for me. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we've had a really good break, but we've been doing, we've still been doing our learning to read in a hundred easy lessons. And like, uh-huh. we've had some topical weeks that we've done different stuff, like an ocean life um, okay. week and we've still been doing things and we've mm-hmm. been, we got those na- nature journals for the boys for Easter. And so we've been yeah. hiking and doing nature journals. So, um, we haven't been doing nothing, but it still mm-hmm. feels like, I think we're ready to start back. Yeah. I think it was a month mm-hmm. point too, where I was like, I really need to start planning and be getting ready for school. Yeah. Again. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, I just kind of wanted to take a look at scripture and what scripture has to say about education. Um, we figured you guys, a lot of you are like us. You're probably thinking through next school year already or wrapping up the school year. And maybe you don't want to talk about this topic, Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> scripturally, the reality is that, um, you are educating your kids 24 seven. It, it's not, it doesn't have to do with location. It doesn't have to do with being in a classroom. Um, scripture says that we are designed to imitate our teachers. So honestly, this is kind of a topic that we should be considering all of the time, if that makes sense. Mm So um, I kind of wanted to look at Ephesians. Did you have any specific areas where you wanted to look at, Jordan? I have a few scriptures, but I'll just, I'll just throw them in as we go. You know, this may be a good topic too, because like in our state, the governor, um, for his steps for opening, the schools Uh are are not supposed to be opening in the fall. So this may be good for a lot of people. Are you serious? Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. (laughs) But this may be good for a lot of people to be thinking through too, because you may have just had a bomb dropped on you education wise. If Mm. your kids, you know, typically went to a school with other children and now they're not able to. So, um, yeah, this is, hopefully this will be helpful for you guys and this will be encouraging for us too. just, um, as we, like Lexi was saying, education is what we're doing constantly, um, with our children. So, okay. So is that, is that like for sure what they're doing or is that that just, it's all being challenged. All of his stuff is being challenged in court right now. Um, 
because he's kind of doing some stuff unlawfully, um, according to our state constitution. But um, hmm. we'll see how it all shakes out with some of the rulings okay. and stuff. But according to his plan, um, schools were not opening in the fall. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So some of you may be forced to be considering this, like you're saying. Okay. Well, anyways, I wanted to go to Ephesians 6, 4 real quick. Um, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, in our family, this is kind of our guiding verse for what education is. The word discipline is paideia and the word instruction is neuthesia. So paideia, um, in their culture, in the Roman empire, the children were put in schools because they were to be, everyone in the Roman empire could be called upon to be a um, politician essentially. And so they knew that meant every person in the empire needed to be educated because they didn't want to have an educated, uneducated ruling class. So they called that paideia. It was their view of enculturation and educating the person. And they believed, I think rightly so, um, rightly so, because Paul used the same word, they believed that every single thing they were interacting with was catechizing them and educating them. Yeah. I mean, even, it even boils down to like exercise and things like that, that you're like, wait a Mm -hmm. minute, how does that have to do with education as far as like two plus two? But yeah, Mm -hmm. the idea was like your views on socioeconomics, your views on Mm -hmm. exercise, your views on all of life. Yeah. And when Brian has translated that into like a modern example, he even goes so far as to say, like, even when you're driving down the street and you see a billboard, that billboard is catechizing you for some kingdom. And that's, that's, what's important. I think is that they're being catechized for a kingdom. They knew that outrightly they were promoting um, one person's lordship. They were promoting one worldview. And so when Paul is using this word paideia, I think it's appropriate to show that we as Christians need to be considering what kingdom and worldview are we promoting in our mm-hmm. education so mm-hmm. you also what happens with that is you have to consider the person teaching your child it's not whether or not they are promoting an education I mean they're promoting worldview it's just which worldview are they promoting mm-hmm. um, right. which I think should bring us to the point that education isn't neutral oh yes yeah that, and, and honestly like no part of our lives are neutral as Christians no, no part of um, no part of parenting is ever coasting. No part of education is ever neutral. It's not two plus mm-hmm. two isn't neutral. Two plus two is in a Christian worldview. Two plus two is like Doug Wilson says, two plus two is two plus two because God's a God of order and yes. there's reason behind um, our, the Lord. So um, yeah. So I think whenever we look at this, we have to we have to come with a starting point that even something that you think isn't Christian in origin actually it, it yeah. is if you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the basis of science, the basis of mathematics, the basis of poetry is all because we have a Lord that reflects these. Yeah. I think too, um, don't let me forget to get to the second word in that verse, but I think it's also important to re- realize that an, a non-believer can teach your child something practically. They can teach them the truth, but they can never, ever explain why it's true. Right. So that's, that's what you're going to miss out on when you're not um, pursuing an education that's set within a biblical framework. Right. Yeah. Which, which is a deeper beauty that, um, that is cool that we get to show our children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the second word I wanted to point out was the word instruction means neuthesia. And so when paideia and neuthesia are taken together, it's kind of the idea that all of life is integrated and should not be separated between spiritual and secular. 
so that's exactly like what you were saying is um uh, to the christian there is a spiritual reason why we're exercising our body or why we are studying art in a museum or why we are learning two plus two equals four there's um those it's really weird that we actually separate subjects now because that never used to be the case because we understood that christ was the center of everything um but if it should make sense that when you take Christ out of education, we would have separate um, compartments for knowledge, if that makes sense. Hmm. So, um, yeah, so those are like our two main principles for us as a family. We're working with the idea of paideia and we're working with the idea that all of life is integrated and all of life is spiritual. Yeah. Um, The other, I mean, Deuteronomy six. Yeah. That's what I was just trying to do. I mean, it's, it's here in, in six, four in Ephesians as well, but also Deuteronomy six, the, um, responsibility to educate lies upon the father's shoulders and the mother's shoulders as the help me, but it's not, um, it's not ultimately your private school teacher. It's not ultimately your Sunday school teacher. And it's not ultimately your public school teacher. You are responsible to figure out how you can obey this command that's not to say that you can't go pay someone else to help come alongside you, but ultimately it's your responsibility to make sure that you're meeting the educational needs in such a way that you are accomplishing both paideia and nuthesia. Yeah. Yeah. And you and I both agree that um, like a quality private education is fine. Like we're not saying that you only have to, you have to be the sole person educating your children, but um, you can't not be educating your children is the point Mm -hmm. from that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to point it because even if you are paying someone else, you are still discipling your mm -hmm. kids on the downtime. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I'll just read Deuteronomy 6, 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be a frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. But um, yeah, th- just kind of describing that in, in every small and large moment of life, education is happening and it should be happening to disciple children um, to sing the gospel and sing the beauty of Christ and ultimately to bring them, bringing them into disciples of Christ. And I think that's a huge part of education for us is to build a mature disciple of Christ, fleshing out oh, yeah. beauty and goodness into every nook and cranny of all of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you consider, again, the fact that Paul was using the word idea, he, idea, he obviously had in mind um, as like the culmination of a child's education being the fact that they would be not a Roman citizen, but a citizen of Christ's um, kingdom in Christ's country here on earth now being productive now and being mature and equipped now. Yeah. So I think you can see, you know, um, the number of people that are walking away from the church after high school is pretty evident that the public school system is doing its job in catechizing our children. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that should give us serious uh, reason to pause <laughs> Yeah. And to consider like, it's, it's a design feature. It's not a flaw. It's a design feature that we will be catechized by something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I guess you saw some of the Harvard, Harvard articles that came out recently against homeschooling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of their big reasons is because the government can't have control over basically like the thoughts and um, I can't remember the wording that they use, but basically over what children think is right and wrong. 
Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Like they want to be able to be the one that makes the standard for, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and that was one of the, um, <clears throat> big points in this lady's Harvard article about homeschooling. And we're like, exactly. Yes, exactly. That's our point. That's <laughs> boo who, boo who. <laughs> that's what we're trying to avoid here. Um, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, so they're not even high. That's the thing you guys, as Christians, we have to realize that they're not hiding that we need as Christians, we need to not act like that's not what they're trying to do. It is what they're trying to do. And they're just, they're saying it. They're literally just saying yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to um, breed a culture of people that are quote unquote tolerant. That's the word, the buzzword, tolerant of things that God calls sin. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Um, I, I do think it's important to note too in Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4, and five, God is kind of saying the overflow of our teaching as parents is that we have meditated on these things ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that a lot of people forget to do is continue to educate themselves as parents. Yeah. Um, Charlotte Mason often talks about why the mother culture is so important. It's because once her kids are grown and gone, you don't want to be a shriveled up mother. You want to be a liberated, um, a human that's part of what education is is recovering our humanity in christ and like we've talked about before it means being interested in god's world yeah knowing scripture ourselves um being able to teach these things because we learned them first ourselves yeah i like the proverbs 25 2 um it's the glory of god to conceal oh yeah yeah honor of kings to uh, search them out um mm -hmm. so we should find find it honorable of ourselves to search out um the beauties that God has put on the earth, that we should want to pursue education, that we, that, that mm -hmm. God says that this is an honorable thing for us to do that we, cause I think that there is almost a mentality sometimes of like, why do like, why, why further your education? Like why, why continue to read? Why continue to learn? It's just like a big confusing mess of things or something or like, or that it's like beyond our grasp to pursue. Mm. Um, and I think that we should, think more highly of our brains maybe i don't know or trust the lord yeah. that impart wisdom to us um yeah that we will that we will search out things that um are good things for us to be educated on mm -hmm. yeah um i guess i do want to note considering the fact that some people could be facing you know not going to school again next year if education so my experience homeschooling it has been that every single year has been unideal in some sort of a circumstance. And I've said this before, but um, every year I've had to fall back on the point that my job to educate my kids isn't necessarily to teach them um, reading, math, you know, history, all those things, but it's to teach them how to be human through hard circumstances too. And I think, honestly, I think the government school system would have been much better off um, paying for each family to have say $50 worth of great books and send them home for the year with that and that mm -hmm. alone. And you can see the breakdown in what education actually is when our public school system cannot just say, go be humans at home. They have to still structure your day in and day out at home. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I just don't think really the teachers were not equipped to like, these children are so fearful. My mom was telling me about one of her clients that she's having a hard time going to work because her kids are so fearful that her mother is going to catch coronavirus. Mm. And so she's dealing with all this anxiety at home. And 
it's just sad to me because their education should be equipping them to deal with this in a more functional manner, but it's not. <laughs> so if you're, if you're moving forward um, next year, possibly considering still using some sort of a public school system, just ask yourself, how is it equipping your kids to handle a country in upheaval? <laughs> right. Because that, that's the reality. That is one of the end goals of education. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be just forcing them to check box after box after box. Right. You're a robot, no fear. It should be actually considering their humanity, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think um, just teaching them that God's word is true and, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and that we can trust God's word. And um, Jared and I were talking a little bit about this last night. And he just said, we want our kids believing God's word and understanding God's world. Um, oh yeah, that's good. That that was so helpful, just little phrase. But um, yeah, but like we want our kids to know that God takes care of us, that we don't fear death, that we don't fear anything in this life, that we have the Lord providing for us, and we we believe these things because God says them, and, and if God says it, then we believe it. And, mm-hmm. and we want children that wholeheartedly believe God's word, that they don't question God's word for any reason, let alone a virus. Um, but uh, but that we, yeah, that they wholeheartedly believe his word and understand his world and um, the beauty that he has put in it and the things that we can discover about it. Mm. Something I've been thinking about lately um, and just considering the details of next year for us has been the idea that Augustine promoted that education is an ordering of your affections. And um, one of my kids has been in school for a couple years and I'm bringing a second student into the fold this year. But the older one has just kind of been expressing like not wanting to get back to school. And to me, that's, that's not a good sign. <laughs> that's a sign that something needed to change. Um, and so I've been just kind of thinking like, what can I do to make, like to show him that this is something that's valuable? Um, so something that I'm trying to institute is just really heavily focusing on more beauty, more art study. Um, and starting our day with a really simple tea of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Farmhouse Schoolhouse and how she does this. I, and she's very honest about that it's taken multiple years of the habit to grow into what it is. And I'm having to be realistic about that. But mm-hmm. I kind of want to be able to show my kids like, look, we don't value this properly. So what I'm going to do is visually show you that we should be valuing this properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just allowing for so much more freedom and flexibility for me this year. And because the thing is, I want school is joyful. Teaching school is something that I absolutely love doing, but I don't always have the energy to do it to the utmost that I would like to do it to. So I'm having to really balance like daily maintenance. How can this be maintainable for the long run, but yet still be beautiful and something that I want to do, not something I hate because I've stripped it down to the bare minimum, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. That was something that was really encouraging to me this year as, um, Jared and I were, um, looking at curriculums and trying to decide between curriculums, just like the point of education is not to cram every single bit of Mm -hmm. into our kids by the time they're 18. Yeah. That's not the point. Um, the point is something so much deeper and so much more Mm -hmm. and so much more, um, or we want it to be so much more culture in within themselves that we want to build within them that they will take with them for the rest of their lives that they will enjoy enjoy learning enjoy reading enjoy information um because we see that god has done it um so yeah so yeah 
I had two little things at the bottom of this. Like these are our two family goals that we want are mm-hmm. with education. We want um, to present beauty, to present Christ and the gospel to them, that their hearts would be set on fire and that we want to a fully, we want to have fully equipped Christians um, seeing mm-hmm. all of life, history, poetry, art, mathematics through the lenses of the gospel that they can, mm-hmm. by the time that they're 18 or whatever, go forth fully equipped um, to do whatever the Lord has called them to do with all mm-hmm. the, knowledge and hopefully wisdom that God has imparted through the, through their education. That's good. Something you um, were saying reminded me of this little quote that I have on the front of our kindergarten binder. And it's from Dr. Christopher Perrin. It says, education is the making of a man, not the training of a man to do things. Yeah. And I just, it's Mm -hmm. so helpful to remember, like you're not teaching subjects, you're teaching people. (laughs) Yeah. And even the idea, like, the idea of curriculum was actually a race course that they were running. It wasn't thinking in terms of subjects, but so just like think about the kind of people that you want your kids to be and almost plot backwards. Like you're saying, we're not, we don't necessarily want this check, this checklist of these facts to be memorized. Not that memorization is not good, but there's something deeper. There's a reason behind that memorization and it's the character that we're building with that memorization or with the study of science or with the discipline of the body, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So kind of think about like, what kind of people does the Lord want my children to be? Do I want them to be, do I want our family to look like and chart backwards from there? Yeah. Yeah. That's so helpful. Cool. Well, that's all I had for this one. You got anything else? Anything you definitely I don't want? think so. I thought, I thought maybe when we post the episode, I could post a picture of um, like my favorite education references. That makes oh, sense. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. It might be fun. Yeah, that'd be really good. So if you guys have further questions about this specifically, just don't hesitate to ask us. Not yeah. that we have it all figured out. Yeah. But and tag us in your educational pursuits with your children. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. Yep. Yeah, that would be fun. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. This show is a part of the ministry of the Shepherd's Crook. The Shepherd's Crook exists to remind pastors of Jesus through care, coaching, resources, and events. We have also started the Shepherd's Crook for Wives. Jordan and Lexi are contributing articles to the site, and you can find all the information at theshepherdscrook.co.